Uh, welcome everyone, this is Money Marketing and Fund Strategy Podcast. Today with us is Kumal Desai, he's Head of Indian Equities and Neptune Asset Management. Hello. Hi, hi. Thanks for joining us and today we'll talk a bit about uh, the Indian market as well as what he's uh, doing within his fund. So to start with, uh, can you give us a bit of a market outlook on India and what's the development now with the all the agenda reform? Yeah, so government? I think you know India's been a very strong performer um, versus both emerging market and, and, glo- and global markets, world markets, um, outperforming each quite convincingly. Um, you know, really when we think back over the last two and a half years, India's come a long way uh, in terms of both the macro management and in terms of um, the policy agenda set up by the government. Um, and you know, when we think about the last two and a half years, the market's clearly re-rated. It's now nearly or more than 18 times forward earnings um, and at three times price to book. So clearly a lot of the exuberance or a lot of the structural changes we've seen has been baked into to where the market's trading. Um, so with that in mind, you know, what we're thinking about and why we're actually as positive as we've been on the market um, today is because we believe that actually the next catalyst is yet to hit Indian, uh, the Indian market and that essentially is um, an inflection point or a turnaround in, in corporate profitability. Um, so really when we think about why investors should be looking at India today um, afresh it's because of their view and the expectation that actually uh, companies will see return on equity move up, return on invested capital move up um, companies will enjoy a period of super normal profitability and that in turn will finance the next investment cycle and, and capex cycle to come. Um, so really for us that's the key catalyst to be thinking about watching, um, screening for when we think about companies that come into our portfolio. Is that specific sector you're looking at or like? No this is you know reasonably broad based. I suppose you know the reason why we have this view um, which differs from you know other commentators and, and potentially peers mm. um, in terms of this turnaround and corporate profitability uh, is because three things have essentially aligned uh, today um, in terms of India's on, on its own capital cycle. Um, firstly, there exists excess capacity in the corporate sector. Uh, manufacturing utilizations come down to about 73%. Mm. Um, at the same time, demand is now coming back uh, when you look at nominal GDP growth forecast, they're pointing upwards. Uh, industrial production, PMI, uh, services, job creation, all showing that green shoots are now emerging in terms of demand. Um, so when you think about yourself as a company sitting with excess capacity, demand coming into your business, um, that goes straight to your bottom line. You don't need to expand capacity to take on that new demand. Um, so that, in, you know, essentially is operating leverage. Um, we're seeing, or we believe, that earnings will therefore pick up. Um, but the final point, which comes, as I said, rarely in a in a market's capital cycle, is that companies are still showing capex restraint, balance sheet restraint. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you think about the holy grail of emerging market investing, it's rising return on invested capital, um, and with operating leverage pushing earnings up, but yet the invested capital base is still staying low and fixed. That's what's exciting um, from an investor standpoint that you're seeing this improvement in, in return ratios. And as I said, you know why this matters is because companies will therefore uh, be able to earn this period of higher profitability, feel more confident, and that's when they invest back into the market by way of capex, and that's your classic investment cycle to come. Sure. And overall, would you agree that India 
actually looks much healthier than many other emerging markets that are very different within. Yeah, I think you know one of our, you know, certainly what I strongly believe in, and I know others at Neptune do as well, is that increasingly over the next, you know, five six years, ten years, market selection will matter much more. Uh, you know, gone are the days when you have easy liquidity and, and a rising tide lifting all boats. So market selection will matter. Um, and that's why you know, reform has been this you know, buzzword in, from an emerging market context because investors and, and analysts are essentially arguing that you know, markets need to reform in order to grow because they can't be bailed out from, from easy money. Um, so from India's perspective, that's why you know, this policy agenda they have, which is hell-bent on reform, uh, why this very strong and capable government um, alongside a very capable central bank um, you know the, the management team in charge of India is is probably the most superior. You know we would argue across emerging markets. Um, and the final point would be that you know when you think about the macro health of various emerging markets, they will differ as well. Um, and India's external vulnerability that it once had in the summer of 2013 has diminished, uh, with the current account deficit now touching surplus and also FX reserves. You know, which is the, the firepower of any central bank is at all-time highs. So from that standpoint, you know, when we think how strong India has been relative to other markets and certainly other emerging markets, it is that you know, flight to safety which investors enjoy or, or look forward to in India um, that has supported the market. And in terms of the effect of the US rates, mm. how mm. would it impact? So I would actually argue that you know one of the, the most positive catalysts for the Indian market over the next few months would be if the US did hike, um, simply because you know this is something which has haunted many global investors, the worry about what will happen to emerging markets with a stronger dollar and, and with higher US rates. But for India, given the transformation we've seen from its macro perspective, um, it is strong enough and, and stable enough to be able to withstand you know, that, that change, that global change um, in terms of monetary policy. So you know, when we think about the current account deficit, which is contracted, we think about inflation, which has collapsed, we think about growth, which has accelerated, um, the fiscal deficit can, continues to be under check, the, the rupee is stable, um, that very much sets it up for you know, as I said, the shining light in a, what has been a troubled emerging world. Um, and that's why if we do see a rejig in Fed policy at the end of this year, um, for me, that will be a, a further, um, you know, stimulant to the extension of, of strong relative performance. Sure. And talking about the fund mm. or the funds you, you manage, yeah. what, what's the... Yeah, so I, I run the Neptune Indy Fund, which um, is about 120 million um, sterling today. Uh, and, you know, really what what I'm trying to do is um, have a very robust and, and repeatable process. Um, and I'm looking to generate my outperformance versus both the, the, the benchmark and peers through stock selection. Um, and the when Benchmark? My benchmark is MSCI India, okay, um, right. which has roughly more than just over 70 stocks in the, in the actual sure. index. Um, and the way in which I think about running my portfolio is according to three silos. Um, and the reason why I have these three silos is because they characteristically have low correlation with each other. Um, I don't want to have all my bets on one macro um, you know, outcome, and if it doesn't come through, then you know the, the fund suffers. So, really, it's about investing in a disciplined fashion, but also with conviction. Um, and you know, once we do have conviction on individual companies, um, we will make you know decent bets in the portfolio. So the three silos are: the first one is structural growth, 
Um, these are the compounders, uh, very free cash flow generative companies, um, typically high ROEs and, and tend to trade at a premium to the market. Uh, the second silo is economic recovery. Um, and these are the companies and sectors which we think will benefit from the turn in the cycle. Uh, we'll see utilization move up. Um, we'll see their return ratios and, and, and margins um, also kick in. So these are the companies such as cement and infrastructure and wholesale funded banks um, that we believe uh, will benefit from, from that improvement in the cycle. Um, and the final silo is um, self-help turnaround. So you know, these are the companies we meet, you know, probably 100, 120 each year. Um, who, when we assess what they're trying to do with their company, it's, it's very different from what the market assumes they, they're, they're trying to do. So these are the turnaround companies, self-help stories, who um, we believe through a change in management, through a change in strategy, um, through changes in capital allocation decisions, can affect the course of their, you know, the chart their course of, of, their, of their individual companies. So this for us are the three silos which we think about when we strip down my total kind of investable universe down to the 30 to 40 stocks that get into my portfolio, it's very much about looking to um, you know, balance these three silos and choose the best companies that, that so exhibit these characteristics. It's quite concentrated portfolio. It, it does tend to be. You know, this, is a, this is a fund you know, when we try and differentiate ourselves from peers. It is A, this process, but also B, um, you know, looking to, to certainly take conviction calls on companies we genuinely believe in. Um, you know, the, the turnover of the, the fund on an annualized basis is about 10%. So this is a buy and hold fund when, you know, we do a lot of due diligence about incorporating a particular stock or, or position in our fund. Um, so that's why it lends itself to being this higher concentration, mm. you know, to really take advantages of these structural changes we're seeing in India. So what's the average time that you ought yeah, so you know, with turnover at ten percent, sure. you know, you know, you would see it kind of eight, nine, ten years. But you know, in terms of a number of the stocks we've had, you mm. know, what I genuinely think about is the next three to five year view for those companies. Um, one of the key ways in which, again, we differ is we have a very healthy mid cap bias. Um, mid cap for us is a very interesting space that will be driven by um, this huge amount of domestic liquidity that's coming into the market, um, and that traditionally helps the mid cap space. Um, Indians are also being incentivized to save more um, and also being incentivized to save more in, in financial assets. So this is a very, very strong, powerful uh, tailwind that we see of domestic liquidity improving uh, and entering the, the Indian equity space and debt space as well. So with that in mind, given this mid-cap bias and, and focus we have currently, um, that very much lends itself to, to me trying to identify the companies that in five, ten years will be the blue chip companies, will be the leaders in what they do. Mm. Um, so therefore, I don't want to chop and, and trade in and out and try and predict quarterly numbers. This is about understanding businesses, you know, what their structural competitive advantage are, advantages are to earn a return on capital in excess of their cost of capital. Um, and that's why, you know, this framework and, and this outlook for us, you know, lends some support to that. Sure. And is there any specific stocks you might want to talk about in terms of any recent art? Um, um, you know, one, one company for us, um, you know, which I think from, let's say, from a structural growth perspective, sure. who, you know, who we do um, have a holding in is a company called Asian Paints. Um, Asian Paints are the uh, largest paint producer in India, the second largest in Asia. 
Um, you know, they have a very, very strong ability, and they have for the past 20, 25 years of earning the su superior return on capital, you know, in excess of their cost of capital. Um, and really, this is driven by, you know, a virtuous circle that they find themselves in. Um, they consistently invest in their own business. Um, you know, in 1971, I think, they were the first ever Indian company to own a computer. So, you know, they very much think ahead of their times. Um, they invest in their business in terms of advertising and, and promotion um, nearly three times as much as their, the number two player. Um, you know, they, they have many levers in terms of improving their own return metrics, this through um, innovating in uh, ancillary products, not just paints, but also construction chemicals, for example, where they use their very strong distribution reach to, to fill new products to, to sell to consumers. Um, very cash generative, I think it's about 90% of their sources of funds over the past 10 years have come from internal accruals from the cash they generate, um, only 2% from debt. Um, and this is a company that even though it trades at a very expensive multiple at 35 to, to 40 times, depending on your estimates of forward earnings, um, you know, if you do believe that this company can continue to earn a return on equity in excess of 35%, then through the power of compounding, then actually you could be paying a far higher multiple um, mm. to get a market return over the next 10 years. So this is a company which, which you know, has a lot of levers in terms of, as I said, earning this consistent and relentless superior return on capital in excess of its cost. And for us, that's why it fits very neatly in that structural growth type silo. Sure. And uh, one last question is, do you invest your own money? I do, I do, I do, yeah, and my, my family's as well. Um, oh, so great. I do have, um, yeah, my ISA is fully stocked um, within the fund and, and a number of close family members as well. Um, so very much fully aligned with, <laughs> yeah, yeah, with the story. Okay, well, thanks a lot for your time today and speak soon. Pleasure, thank you.